Virginia Cavaliers. Well, it was another second half dud for UVA. In fact, uh, after they took the 14-0 lead, a lot of things went wrong as they surrendered 42 unanswered points to the Maryland Terrapins. Somebody who was there and unfortunately had to see another second half disappointment for a Virginia team that has really struggled after the break. Kicks things off in covering the Commonwealth. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with the Virginia Cavaliers. JerryRatcliffe.com founder and contributor Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe. Hootie, Virginia. They jump out to a 14-0 lead. Things seem to be going in the right direction. And then the kick return for a touchdown sends things going down. And a few drives later, Maryland gets the 97-yard drive, boosted by the big third down Tulia Tagovailoa conversion. And all of a sudden, the momentum goes and stays with the Maryland Terrapins. What's the level of disappointment? Not that Virginia lost the bounce back game after JMU, but the fact that they had a lead seemed like they could be in control and then poof, it vanished. Yeah, that's a good question, Ed. They did have some momentum going just like they did against JMU and then uh, negative play happens and they just kind of fall apart and implode. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened if they could have tied it there at 21 all before he threw his first of three interceptions or at least got a field goal and, you know, try to stay in it for a little bit longer. But uh, once that they made that mistake, it just, everything turned uh, negative and, and they just had no answer. It's just, I, I, it's weird how they just imploded like that. But then again, you know, you, they turned the ball over four straight times on their last four possessions. And you do that uh, on the road or even at home. But particularly on the road, you're probably going to get hammered. Six times in 13 contests, the Virginia Cavaliers have not even gotten a touchdown after halftime of the Tony Elliott area. Nine times in that span, it's just one or fewer touchdowns after halftime for Virginia. You combine that with what happened at Maryland, what comes to your mind about how Tony Elliott and his staff seem to clearly have their work cut out for them about connecting with this team, either through scheme or motivation or a combination of things to actually get a better performance post-intermission? Well, you know, you don't know if other teams are making great adjustments and Virginia's not adjusting itself or maybe it's a lack of depth I'm not sure but um, I, I know they're playing an awful lot of freshmen they played uh, I think seven or eight freshmen against Maryland just trying to build depth for the future and I know at Tennessee the, they got worn down I'm, I'm not sure that was the problem against JMU but uh, it might have showed up a little bit against Maryland the other night because you know they've they've been a little more successful in building their program over the last several years. Whereas Virginia's in a massive rebuild, and there's there's not a lot of uh, playable depth on this team until they get some of these freshmen involved. I think, but it's hard to put your finger on exactly why they implode like they do in the second half, but. Certainly, uh, if they continue to do that, it's going to be awfully hard to win a football game. Let's talk about something more positive for Virginia. Granted, we have to change sports and talk men's basketball as opposed to football with JerryRatcliffe.com. Jacob Coffey, 
four-star, six-foot-nine, 225-pound top 100 commitment, picks the Who's over NIL powerhouses, Ohio State and Southern Cal, plus Washington, which was the home state school, one of the two, along with Wazoo. For Jacob Coffey, how big of a pickup is this for Tony Elliott in the upcoming class? Very big, I believe, because this kid, uh, he's built a lot like uh, DeAndre Hunter was, and uh, maybe even a little more solid at this point of his life. Uh, 6'9", 225, and he's he's a real deal. I mean, uh, some of the people on the West Coast refer to him as uh, little little Jabbar, but uh, I, I'm not sure we that's a fair comparison. But I think it's a huge uh, get for Virginia uh, for the 24 recruiting class. Uh, if they can finish it off and get Con Canoople and a couple of other guys, uh, I mean the sky's the limit for this program. Uh, it's big because you know he was one of their main targets for. Uh, front court, they already uh, got Christian Bliss, which was a major target, and and he was supposed to be for next year's class, but reclassified to the current class. So, but uh, it, it speaks volumes that they went got two of the main guys they've been pursuing, beat out some really uh, big time programs to get get those teams, uh, those players. Uh, Everybody on the West Coast wanted this guy badly. A uh, face-up power forward who can also uh, sort of transition into the stretch four position. Uh, he can shoot it. He, he's a really good passer. Uh, can block shots. Uh, he's got an overall game that uh, that something that Tony Bennett really relishes to have in his program, that kind of versatility. So um, the fact that they were able to get him away from the West Coast uh, all the way across the country speaks volumes, I think. Speaking of speaking volumes, volumes are spoken at a very discernible level on the Jerry Ratcliffe Show podcast and at jerryratcliffe.com. Hootie, thank you for your time today in the Fast Lane. We'll keep it locked uh, for more of your great work as always. Thanks, Ed. Appreciate you having me on, man. Now to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Hokey, hokey, hokey high. David Cunningham at the Real D Con A on Twitter and Instagram. David, I'm sure you shed a tear when you had to leave scenic New Jersey. Comments that are very rarely said, but we just did it in the fast lane. Uh, meanwhile, Virginia Tech, uh, they didn't seem to be shedding any tears. They were glad to get out of there, unfortunately for them, with another loss this season. Does it feel more dire than maybe it should for a one and two team? Yeah, and I think it does. I think the fan base has grown a little restless, and I, I don't know if I can really blame them. Virginia Tech hosts Pitt on September 30th in two weeks. That kick time came out today, 8 p.m. Eastern on the ACC Network. This past week, Virginia Tech Athletics announced that that game is sold out. So the Hokies will play three home games in September and sell out all three and yet, at the end of September, could potentially be one and four. This is a fan base that wants to win, wants to see the team win. And when you go up to Rutgers, you hold the team to you know, less than 50 yards passing, but almost 300 yards on the ground, and lose by 19 while controlling the clock and you know and running more plays. That's disappointing, and it's a problem. And I think the Hokies are 
you know, looking to, to rebound against Marshall this week, but I think there's some big picture problems at play, starting with injuries. Uh, the quarterback situation seems to finally be figured out, though, so that's a positive. It is one of the few positives, and it's Kyron Drones by virtue of injury, unfortunately, but he's giving them something, if nothing more, the ability to compensate for a bad offensive line. But it brings us to the other point, and this is from your colleague Chris Coleman of TechSideline.com, who mentioned last week, uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. If anything, the running game is actually getting worse, and that should not be happening. And that was before the game against Rutgers for Virginia Tech. How much of it is that? How much of it is now the fact that it's like they, you know, it's curly in the boat. They solved the running game problem and had actually a decent offense against Rutgers, but they made self-inflicted mistakes and reverted to last year to do it. Yeah, I think it's a combination of everything. I think um, I think the good thing is Tech looked okay on the ground against Rutgers uh, offensively. Tech was okay. Uh the problem, I think Kyron Drones provided this new element. The problem was that the defense was completely out of it. And I think that's a big problem going forward for Virginia Tech. Kyron Drones did some things that Hokies have not seen yet this season. They moved, he moved the pocket around a little bit, got outside the pocket, made some quick, easy throws. He wasn't perfect, um, but he helped the run game a lot. He really improved that area of the field because the offensive line didn't have as much stress on it. It didn't have to block and hold a pocket for five or six seconds like it did with Grant Wells almost every single passing play. Now, part of it also helps that, unfortunately, the Hokies are down two wide receivers, two of their best wide receivers. It leads to a more run-style approach, but I thought it was much better from Virginia Tech. The questions, Ed, are on the defensive side of the ball after this week because I think Kyron Jones is the guy. I think you have to start Kyron Jones going forward, but the defense can't stop the run. The defense is like fourth to last in the FBS in stopping the run. That is a problem, especially considering Brent Pry is a defensive-minded head coach, and this was his defense that Chris Mark took over, and a lot of these guys are veterans. Granted, there are a few injuries here and there, It's not all veteran guys and experienced guys. There are a few youngsters in the back, but that's still a big, big problem. It definitely is. What's not a problem is the insight. It's phenomenal. From David Cunningham of TechSideline.com. David, a pleasure to speak with you as we're listening at 10 a.m. on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app to Virginia Tech at Marshall this coming Saturday. We'll also be following your work at TechSideline.com and at the Real TheRealDCunA on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for your time with us today. Appreciate it, Ed. Hopefully uh, next week we're talking after a more positive performance. That is the hope, even if it's not exactly a high hope that Virginia Tech fans have for their trip to Huntington, West Virginia. Now to the Liberty Flames. John Manson, a sea of red.com. With us in the fast lane, John, 27 point victory for the Liberty Flames. 55 to 28 at Buffalo. You were there. And yet afterwards, Jamie Chabot, understandably, I would say, finding areas this team can still utilize to improve. What does it say about the potential of this year's team now that maybe people are starting to realize that they can win by four touchdowns and still have room to grow? 
Yeah, and I think it uh, also says a lot about uh, Jamie Chadwell. I mean, you know, we're obviously all still learning him and how he uh, uh, handles success and handles the team each and every week. And and uh, if you listen back to his uh, post game press conference uh, from Saturday, you wouldn't, like you kind of alluded to, you wouldn't have known that the team had just won by four touchdowns and in a game they were only favored by three and and uh, really played well. And and that score could have been even even uh, a larger margin. I mean. Liberty knelt on the ball down inside the five-yard line the last uh, couple plays of the game. So uh, I, think, I think it just goes to show that uh, Coach Chadwell has his eyes set on much higher goals than, than uh, a non-conference win on the road in September. I mean, he's obviously uh, been very public about those goals, you know, uh, competing for a conference championship in Conference USA this season and, and ultimately uh, having a chance to, to reach the college football playoff uh, when it expands to 12 teams starting next season. So uh, he knows that, that a win over Buffalo in September uh, doesn't move the needle much and, and uh, you know, that the team doesn't need to, to get cocky or, or get com- comfortable, get complacent and, and not continue to, to strive to improve each and every week. And uh, that's what he's hoping to, uh, to drive home to his team uh, this week following that big win. Indeed it is. And that's what's crazy about this Liberty team. How much more challenging, though, does it get that you go to a Florida international team that has found some sparks this year that they've not had in prior years? And obviously it's the second of two road games. Yeah, sure. I think it's going to be a, a game. I mean, if, if anybody is familiar with uh, Conference USA and its teams uh, or FIU, uh, you know they haven't had much success in recent years. And, and uh, they're under second-year head coach uh, Mike McIntyre. And, uh, they won four games last year, which doesn't say much. That's a, that, that was a big improvement for the Panthers. And they're already 3-1 and one this year and, and uh, looking to make a splash on Saturday for homecoming down there in Miami for them and, and uh, do that against Liberty, a team that's, that's open right around 10.5, 11-point favorite right now. And, and this is a game that FIU can have circled on their calendar early in the season to – to really make a statement, make a splash, to, to get an upset at home and prove that they're, they're to be uh, taken seriously. And I think that's something that Liberty uh, is planning on doing, taking them seriously. The team, like I said, they won three straight games now and uh, wins over uh, UConn and, uh, uh, in their game last week and, and uh, definitely have a lot of momentum and are playing well. And it'll be a, a challenge for Liberty to, uh, to go on the road and get a second straight win. Uh, and, and now, you know, it's obviously a conference game, so that, that means so much more uh, for the Flames this week. It does indeed. John Manson with us here in the Fast Lane. John, your insight means a lot, which is why we love having you. Thank you for your time, and we will keep it locked to the A Sea of Red podcast and aseaofred.com. Thanks so much for having me on, it. Our pleasure. John Manson with us here in the Fast Lane. Part one of Comlearing the Commonwealth in the books. Part two when we were and If we have time today, if not, we'll do it tomorrow. Keeping receipts with the favorite robotic introduction that everyone has come to love. All of that's still to come. This is the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.